This is day 40 of our daily Bible reading. Today we will read Deuteronomy chapters 4 through 7 and Psalm 40. Lord Heavenly Father, we are grateful to come into your presence today. Thank you for having mercy on us and giving your grace that is fresh every morning. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us here into your word, the words of life, the words of wisdom, the words of edification and purification. You are showing us, Lord, that this is where we as humans learn who we really are in comparison to you, that we are such sinful, fallen creatures. We are riddled with sin and bad habits and poor choices. And Lord, yet you are patient with us and you bear with us even to the end. We thank you, Lord, for being such a good and honorable shepherd. Thank you for pronouncing good in our lives and having fresh mercy for us. Without it, we would not survive. Please help us to remember that today and help us to magnify your name, not only within ourselves, but in the presence of those who need to hear your gospel. May your name be greatly praised today in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform, so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor. For all the men who followed Baal Peor, the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God, whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen, and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the very heart of the heavens, darkness, cloud, and thick gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form, only a voice. So he declared to you his covenant which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments, that you might perform them in the land where you are going over to possess it. So watch yourselves carefully, since you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb from the midst of the fire, so that you do not act corruptly and make a graven image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water below the earth. And beware not to lift up your eyes to heaven and see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, and be drawn away 
and worship them and serve them, those which the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession as today. Now the Lord was angry with me on your account, and swore that I would not cross the Jordan, and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For I will die in this land. I shall not cross the Jordan, but you shall cross and take possession of this good land. So watch yourselves, that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you, and make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When you become the father of children and children's children, and have remained long in the land, and act corruptly, and make an idol in the form of anything, and do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, so as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today, that you will surely perish quickly from the land where you are going over the Jordan to possess it. You shall not live long on it, but will be utterly destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. There you will serve gods, the work of man's hands, wood and stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress, and all these things have come upon you, in the latter days you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers which he swore to them. Indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything been done like this great thing? Or has anything been heard like it? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire, as you have heard it and survived? Or has a God tried to go to take for himself a nation from within another nation, by trials, by signs, and wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by an outstretched arm, and by great terrors, as the Lord your God did for you? in Egypt, before your eyes? To you it was shown, that you might know that the Lord, he is God. There is no other besides him. Out of the heavens he let you hear his voice to discipline you, and on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words from the midst of the fire. Because he loved your fathers, Therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he personally brought you from Egypt by his great power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in and to give you their land for an inheritance, as it is today. Know therefore today, and take it to your heart, that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. So you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I am giving you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Then Moses set apart three cities across the Jordan to the east, that a manslayer might flee there, who unintentionally slew his neighbor without having enmity toward him in time past. And by fleeing to one of these cities, he might live. Bazer in the wilderness, on the plateau for the Reubenites, and Ramoth in Gilead 
for the Gadites, and Golan in Bashan for the Manassites. Now this is the law which Moses set before the sons of Israel. These are the testimonies and the statutes and the ordinances which Moses spoke to the sons of Israel when they came out from Egypt, across the Jordan, in the valley opposite Beth Peor, in the land of Sion, king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon, whom Moses and the sons of Israel defeated when they came out from Egypt. They took possession of his land, and the land of Og, king of Bashan, the two kings of the Amorites, who were across the Jordan to the east, from Eror, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, even as far as Mount Sion, that is, Hermon, with all the Araba across the Jordan to the east, even as far as the Sea of the Araba, at the foot of the slopes of Pisgah. Then Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the ordinances which I am speaking today in your hearing, that you may learn them and observe them carefully. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, with all those of us alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face at the mountain from the midst of the fire, while I was standing between the Lord and you at that time, to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and did not go up the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, and on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain from the midst of the fire, of the cloud, and of the thick gloom, with a great voice, and he added no more. He wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. You said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen today that God speaks with man, 
yet he lives. Now then, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer, then we will die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go near and hear all that the Lord our God says. Then speak to us all that the Lord our God speaks to you, and we will hear and do it. The Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They have done well in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. Go, say to them, Return to your tents. But as for you, stand here by me, that I may speak to you all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I give them to possess. So you shall observe to do, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you will possess. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words, which I am commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied, then watch yourself, that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of this earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him at Massa. You should diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, and his testimonies, and his statutes, which he has commanded you. You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to give your fathers, by driving out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has spoken. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, 
What do the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean, which the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us from Egypt with a mighty hand. Moreover, the Lord showed great and distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land which he has sworn to our fathers. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, and for our survival as it is today. It will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all this commandment before the Lord our God, just as he commanded us. When the Lord your God brings you into the land where you are entering to possess it, and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and stronger than you, and when the Lord your God delivers them before you and you defeat them, then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will quickly destroy you. But thus you shall do to them. You shall tear down their altars, and smash their sacred pillars, and hew down their asherim, and burn their graven images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. But he repays those who hate him to their faces to destroy them. He will not delay with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment and the statutes and the judgments which I am commanding you today to do them. Then it shall come about, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you his covenant and his loving kindness which he swore to your forefathers. He will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, your grain and your new wine and your oil, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock, in the land which he swore to your forefathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There will be no male or female barren among you or among your cattle. The Lord will remove from you all sickness, and he will not put on you any of the harmful diseases of Egypt which you have known, but he shall lay them on all who hate you. You shall consume all the peoples whom the Lord your God will deliver to you. Your eye shall not pity them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that would be a snare to you. If you should say in your heart, These nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. You shall well remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. 
the great trials which your eyes saw, and the signs, and the wonders, and the mighty hand, and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet against them, until those who are left and hide themselves from you perish. You shall not dread them, for the Lord your God is in your midst, a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will clear away these nations before you, little by little. You will not be able to put an end to them quickly, for the wild beasts would grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them before you, and will throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will deliver their kings into your hand, so that you will make their name perish from under heaven. No man will be able to stand before you until you have destroyed them. The graven images of their gods you are to burn with fire. You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, or you will be snared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. You shall not bring an abomination into your house, and like it, come under the ban. You shall utterly detest it, and you shall utterly abhor it, for it is something banned. Psalm 40 For the Choir Director A Psalm of David I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust, and has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which you have done, and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed good tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips. O Lord, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me. For evils beyond number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me, so that I am not able to see. They are more numerous than the hairs of my head, and my heart has failed me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Make haste, O Lord, to help me. Let those be ashamed and humiliated together who seek my life to destroy it. Let those be turned back and dishonored who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Since I am afflicted and needy, let the Lord be mindful of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Okay, let's examine what we saw in Deuteronomy. And again, this is a retelling of the original law that was given to the people of Israel at Sinai. But what we see here in Moses' commentary of it 
is an expansion of what it means to do all these things. So some of it is the same from what we've seen in previous readings, but some of it is an expansion of what it truly means and why. And I like this because I'm that kind of person who needs to know why I have to do something. And so we see in chapter 4 a call to obedience. The people have seen many things that God has done. There has been plenty of evidence that shows that God is faithful and that he is powerful. And because they have witnessed all these amazing things, that gives God all the credibility and that he's not just all talk. Therefore, he is worthy to be listened to, he is worthy to be praised, he is worthy to be worshipped. And so he demands obedience from his people. Moses draws upon an illustration of asking them a question. Have you ever heard of any other God doing what our God has done? Have you ever heard of a God destroying a nation for the sake of another, to draw them out and to make them his own people? None of this has ever happened before, and it's never going to happen like this again, because we are God's chosen people, and he is the only God in the entire universe. So he's worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be honored because of what he's done for you. And I think verse 9 is a good encapsulation of what Moses is telling them. He says to only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. That's part one of the instruction. This is something we directly need to apply to ourselves. I have seen many wondrous things that God has done in my life. Some of what I've seen is inexplicable. And some of the things that I have seen are supernatural. And wouldn't it be a shame if I forgot all of those things that I have seen, and I doubt who God is, and I call him into question, and I do not believe the words that come from him? That would be an utter shame, wouldn't it? But the reality is, is that we're going to do it. It has happened to me multiple times in my life where despite all these miraculous things that have happened, I still doubt God sometimes, or I had in the past. And while we may not be so bold to say that we have denied God or that we don't believe him, our words betray us. Because if you look at the patterns of your life, have there been periods of rebellion against him? Have there been periods of time where you have not obeyed what the word has said? That is proof right there that you have forgotten the things which the Lord has done, and that you have disregarded his commandments and his expectations for us. We are no different than these Israelites, and I keep saying that to remind us that we're not better than them in any way. We are exactly like them. They are an illustration of the human condition of the entire world, for all of history and all of the future. This pattern of mankind is going to continue until the very end, and we need to be cycle breakers as much as we can. That was the first part of what he said. But what was the second part of this verse? But make them known to your sons and your grandsons. It only takes one generation for things to derail, right? We're going to see that through all the scripture as well, that it takes one generation to destroy all the good that the previous generation had done. Not only that, but, but we as parents have a responsibility to not only demonstrate godly conduct in ourselves, but to teach the things of God to our children and to our grandchildren. This generation coming up needs to know who God is, and they need to have a proper fear and understanding of him, or they will be lost in the waves of sin. Chaos will reign more than it already is. This godless society will become more godless, and that will be our fault in many ways. This is why God has commanded us to regard his word as holy, and to teach it to our children. 
A couple other things to note from chapter 4 is what we see in verse 29. He begins by saying that from there you will seek the Lord, but where is there? He's talking about if the nation gets separated or sent into captivity because of sin. But it says that if you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you search for him with all your soul and with all your heart. This is something that we will read later in Scripture as well, from Jeremiah, where it says that you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And that's from the mouth of God himself. This message is back in Deuteronomy, and it remains the same. If you seek for God, he will find you. You won't find him necessarily, but if you seek him with your whole being, and it is serious what you're doing, if you're taking the search seriously, God will find you. He will meet you along the way, and he will bring you into his fold. He will restore the joy of your salvation. Why? For two reasons. For one, it says in verse 31 that he is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenants that he made with our fathers. That is a huge comfort to us. But the other reason is if you go back to verse 24. It says that the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When we look at verse 24 and we see that God calls himself jealous, is that a negative thing? Because usually jealousy is seated in something that is not holy. Anytime you and I get jealous of things, it's usually out of an air of envy, right? They have something that we want. Or something is happening to someone else, but it's not happening to us. It is a desire for something we don't have, right? That's what jealousy is. But is that the case with God? Is that how God is jealous? Absolutely not. When the Bible calls God jealous, what it's referring to is his exclusivity. He wants all the worship for himself. He does not want us to regard any idols. He does not want us to regard any false gods or false teaching. He is the only one that is worthy and deserving of our praise. And because he is our creator, he deserves it. And so that's what it means by him being jealous. He will not share his throne with anything else, especially something that is fake. So that's what it means for him to be jealous. God is jealous, and yet he is also compassionate. But that jealousy that he has toward his people gives him a zeal toward us as well. He desires his people to be with him, and he will be faithful to his people, just like he wants us to be faithful to him. That is a good God, isn't it? It's so amazing when you discover more and more of who he is and who it is that we worship. Moving on to chapter 5, we see a recap of what happened at Mount Sinai. We are reminded that God appeared to the people in dark clouds and thunder and lightning, and he spoke to them in an audible voice, and all the people heard it. They didn't see anybody's physical form, which is a comparison that is identified in not making any idols, because God did not appear in any form We should not try to make any image of him. He does not want us to do that. He refuses to be represented that way because there is no comparison on earth to him. He is so far beyond us that there's nothing on earth that could come even close. So why would you want to make a cheap knockoff of God? So that's why we should not be making any idols or images of him. But he goes through the Ten Commandments one more time, exactly the way God said it. And then he gives a little bit of a backstory as to what happened after the Ten Commandments were issued and all of that. And he's reminding the people as to what happened with their ancestors, their fathers who left Egypt, the things that they said in response to God's words. 
And most of it was out of fear. If we keep hearing God's voice, we're going to die. Moses, you go talk to him. And whatever he says, you teach it to us. And here in verse 29, we see the heart of God, what he truly desires for his people. And this applies directly to us as well. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. This is what God truly desires from us. He wants us to have a heart in us that fears him and obeys him, always, without fail, because all he wants to do is lavish us with good things. He wants to cause us to prosper. He wants us to be successful. He wants his name to be glorified properly, not just in us, but us teaching it to the next generation. That is what God truly wants from us. And so we are commanded in chapter 6 to love the Lord our God. In verse 4, we see a clearer illustration that from the very beginning, the Jewish people always knew that God was one God, but that there were multiple persons. And here is where it says it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. Yahweh is our Elohim. Okay, that's the name of God in that he is a masculine plural noun. The Lord is one. Yahweh is one God. Multiple, but he is one. He is plural, and yet he is one. Very mysterious, even then. But the Jewish people always understood God to be this way. And so it is not such a far-fetched idea that there are three persons in one, what we call today the Trinity. They had always existed in this way, and the Jewish people knew that from the start. What we are called to do here in verse 5 is to love the Lord our God with all your heart, with our soul, and with all your might. And this is something that is supposed to stay in us. It's something we're supposed to carry with us all day, every day. This is the ultimate commandment, according to Jesus. If we are able to fulfill this and to love our neighbors as ourselves, we have accomplished the entire Old Testament. But we have to ask ourselves, how easy is it to do that? It's not easy, is it? But he shows us how to make it easier for us to do this. Listen to what he says. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. So we're supposed to teach to the next generation, right? And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. So when are those things happening? We sit in our house. We are done at the end of the day from a hard day of work. We're hanging out with our family. We're taking a day off, and we're resting at home. That's when we do it. When you walk by the way, when you go about your daily life, you talk about God. That's another way. When you lie down, and when you rise up, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed, if you're contemplating God and studying Him at bedtime and in the morning, on your own and with your children. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. Now, the Jewish people took this part very literally. They actually did bind them to their foreheads, and they did show it as a sign on their hand. But that's not what God's talking about here. What do we do with our hands? We work, right? So, just like how in the New Testament it says, Whatever you put your hands to do, do for the glory of God. Therefore, whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That's what it's talking about. So whatever you put your hands to work, do it with integrity. Do it knowing that God is watching. Do it knowing that God is evaluating whether he approves of what you're doing or not. Are you able to do your work? with a clear conscience. 
because your conscience is a gauge as to how godly you're being. That moral compass to where we know the difference between right and wrong. That's what it means to bind them on your hand. What it's truly saying is that the quality and integrity of your work should be synonymous with the majesty and the glory of God. Everything you do honors him. But when it talks about having frontals on your forehead, what is also on your forehead? Your brain, right? It's in there somewhere. And what it's referring to is that the laws of God and his character are continually on your mind. That is your driving force right there. You want some motivation to get through your day? God should be your motivation. He is the one who should inspire you to be your very best. And because you are giving him your very best, he will bless you. This is what it's talking about here. And then it says that you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There should be no surprise to anyone what you stand for and who you stand for. Your house should be dedicated to the Lord, not only in how you raise your family and how you live within that house, but also it is publicly known that you are a Christian and that you follow the laws of God. It should not be a shock to anyone because of how you live and how you operate day by day. If it is not clear who we stand for, then we are not honoring God properly. And it's as simple as that. When we go down to verse 16, it says that we shall not put the Lord your God to the test. We do not test God. We do not tempt him, and we do not challenge him. And this is a scripture that Jesus uses against Satan when he is confronted in the wilderness. And all three of the times that Jesus used scripture, it was from Deuteronomy. So certainly Jesus knew that it is the inspired word of God because he wrote it. Then in chapter 7, we have the command once again for the nation of Israel to destroy all the Canaanite countries. And again, this decree is not because God is a God of bloodlust or that he loves seeing people destroyed. However, he does care for the purity of the Israelite people. He does not want them to be tainted by the evil and sinful ways of these pagan nations. He doesn't want them to marry into their families. He doesn't want them to serve their idols. He wants everything utterly wiped out so that none of it will be a temptation for them and none of it will cause them to falter. He wants his people to remain firm and dedicated to him only. And that is directly in application to us today. The people are also told not to fear these people. They may be more numerous than them. They may be stronger than them in themselves. But they have a God who is infinitely greater than all of them. And God is able to conquer these people with little effort. And so do not fear these people. But rest in the comfort that God is going to secure you and take care of you. And lastly, we have Psalm chapter 40, another psalm of David, and this is a psalm of praise and petition for deliverance. David recognizes who God is, and he's reminded of the times in his past where God has rescued him from trouble, and he knows that God is going to continue in that same pattern, as long as he is devoted to God. David then brings a new problem before the Lord, a new problem of trouble with people, and he asks God to again deliver him as he has done in the past. And he knows that God is faithful and that God will do it. But when we get to verses 6 through 8, we see a little bit of a shift here. Look at what it says. Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Very interesting language. Is he saying that the sacrificial system is not truly what he wanted? No, it's not. It's not the slaughtering of animals that saved people. It has always been understood that 
It was the condition of the heart. Someone had to be willing to go that step, to admit that they sinned and sacrifice the animal for their atonement. But when they're doing that, really what they're doing is they are acknowledging Christ, the Christ that had not yet come at the time of the Exodus. But looking forward to what Jesus did on the cross, that is what the sacrifice was meant to do, to serve as atonement, recognizing that you sinned and repenting. Truly, he doesn't care about the sacrifices themselves. That's not what he requires. It's the heart condition that he requires. And then in verses 7 and 8, we see a messianic message. We see a foreshadowing of Christ here. Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Really, that should describe us too. But what this is talking about is the nature of Christ when he comes into the world. It was written of him in multiple places in Scripture that he was going to come. And the sole reason he came, besides the redemption of mankind, was to do God's will. And it was God's will that he redeemed mankind. So this is a verse that is directly related to the Messiah. And if you want to look a little bit deeper into this, what this is saying is that this Messiah is going to be the sacrifice that ends all sacrifices. He is the final offering. And in usual David fashion, he has problems that he's addressing before God, and he's petitioning God to save him through them, and he rests in the fact that he knows God will listen and that he will act. And praise God that he does. Our scripture to memorize today is going to be from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.